What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Wednesday, July 30th, 2014. You guys are listening to episode 170, and uh, oh boy, what an episode I have for you guys. You know, I'm sticking to the Wednesdays. This is uh, consistently now a few weeks in a row. As you could tell from my voice, I apologize about my voice. I am not feeling great, everybody. I uh, had a crazy weekend in Montreal, Canada, uh, which was just an honor to be at the greatest comedy festival in the world. I will get into all that, but uh, got home, came down from that, and uh, man, came home, got sick, and uh, I wasn't on stage until tonight. I tried to push myself tonight. Probably the sickest I've been on stage in a long time, so um, I got a great show, got a lot of cool stuff to talk about, so I will try to sound as least sick as I can, but uh, I had to keep it to the Wednesdays, because I said if I can't physically do it, I can't do it on Wednesdays, but I could do it, so here we go. Now, uh, I'll start with that, oh my god, I'm on, I'm on fire with the unacceptables today. Uh, I got two unacceptables from me, and then I got a bunch of unacceptables from you guys, so uh, they were all good, they're all funny, they're all unacceptable, and that's the name of the game. But first, I do want to talk about the shows uh, out in Montreal, and if you're new to the podcast, um, I'll explain you know all that stuff. For you guys that don't know, the Montreal Comedy Festival, the Just for Last Comedy Festival in Canada, is held every year in July, and it is um, where... You strive to be. It's a goal from every every comedian to get that under your belt. It's 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 an all star weekend, you know, in the NBA. It's it's an all star game. That's what it is. It's the greatest comedians across the world, and that's where you want to be. You just want to be there. So uh, last year, I was fortunate enough to go. Uh, I spoke about it on the podcast. I did uh, fourteen shows in ten days. I was doing the relationship show, running around, and um, this year. I was kind of just booked to do a gala out there, which I'll explain what that is. And uh, so I was only going from um, Thursday to Sunday, the 24th to the 27th. And uh, one show to do a warm-up, and then you do the gala, and then you come home. Now, the gala is basically they get really big comedians to host in this incredible 3,000-seat theater and the host comes out, and the host is usually a super famous, big time, either icon or just it could be a movie star, could be a comedian, but it's just huge. And what they do is they come out and they do whatever, 12, 15 minutes, and then they just start bringing up up and comers, you know? Excuse me. So Chevy Chase was there this year. He did a gala. Uh, Don Rickles, he did a gala, but he just went on at the end because he's like really old, so he had to just sit there and kind of go on after everybody else did their set. Uh, so Chevy Chase, Don Rickles, Seth Rogen did one, Jim Gaffigan, Bill Burr, and I'm trying to think of who else, but there, there was, there was uh, you know, there's usually like six or seven huge galas. So I was on Burr's, and I'm not going to lie to you guys, man. I was so nervous for this show. The last time I was this nervous was Carnegie Hall. Just because you're just like... It, it's not even that. I've done a ton of theaters. 
you know, and uh, I'm not saying that to be a dick. I have. I've done the Beacon Theater. I've done Carnegie Hall. I've done, you know, the theater at Westbury and the Round. I've done, you know, so many theaters in Canada and so many theaters with uh, opening for Bill Burr over the last couple of years. So um, it wasn't nervous about being in front of that many people. What was nervous was the peers that you're amongst. You're, you're amongst your your peers, but they're also the best comedians and agents and representation, just everybody, networks, television people, everybody. And it was a TV show we were shooting. The galas are on uh, Canada's uh, comedy network, and that's their Comedy Central. So that's exactly what we were doing. I probably shouldn't be drinking Diet Coke when I feel like this. Anyways, so what happens is I looked at the lineup, and the lineup I was on was sick. It was uh, Bill hosting. Then it was Mark Forward, this comedian from Toronto, very funny. Michael Che, who's hilarious. Nikki Glazer, Kurt Metzger, me, Chris D'Elia, and Dom Herrera. That was the Bill Burr Gala. And what happened out there was... Uh, the first night I flew in, which was Thursday, and uh, you know what? Hold on one second. I'm going to... One second. You guys won't know. Okay, everybody. I'm back. I had to just just have an epic cough and uh, clear myself out a little bit. Okay, so here we go. Hope I sound a little better. It's going to be a rough 60 minutes to get through this like this, but you know what? We'll be okay. So anyway... I just hit my daughter's toy. That's making noise. Jesus Christ, this is a project. So what happened was uh, I fly in on Thursday, Air Canada, and it's so cool flying to Montreal because you see all of your friends at the airport and comedians, and I sat on the plane next to Pete Davidson. I was eating at the airport, and I got a text message. Bobby Kelly's texting me while he's sitting behind me, and just you know a bunch of comedians walking around. David Tell walks in the airport and stuff. So it's just really cool. Everybody's there going to this thing. And I didn't have a show the first night. So I basically was able to check in, relax. Then Friday night, I go to the comedy club out there and you do a run-through of your set for the gala. And they assign somebody to you to kind of take notes on it and do the te- you know check out the timing. Night before I left, I went to Levity Live to check it out too because I wanted to be on stage. So Friday night comes... And I'm going to the club, and I look at the lineup, and it's a great lineup of comedians, and, you know, one dude from Saturday Night Live, another dude that you've seen here and there. It's just like all the all these, that's the thing about the Montreal Comedy Festival. It's not like when you do a show in your town, or you go down to the city, and you're like, oh, that guy's kind of new, that guy's a veteran, that guy's in the middle. That It's just, in Montreal... Everybody who's a part of that comedy festival is a fucking monster. They're just an absolutely great comedian or on their way to being a great comedian and they're just really, really fucking good. I mean, that's what the Montreal Comedy Festival is. So I go and I'm like, you know, I'll run through this and we'll see how this goes and I'll be ready for tomorrow. And I run through it and it was just up and down. The seven minutes was just up and down. I didn't like how I opened the crowd was like with me, then not with me, with me. And I'm like, man, fuck, what the hell's going on here? This kind of sucks, you know? 
So I leave the place and I'm a mess as far as like, I don't know what to do. You know, I don't know where to go with the material. Should I change it? And they wanted like a transcript and they wanted to see it. And I'm like, I'm not married to that set because I didn't like the set. But now I'm less than 24 hours away from performing in front of 3,000 people on television. And it's Burr's Gala. So uh, we went to the Funny or Die party. Funny or Die holds a party every year, at the, you know, and... So we go to that and we're talking and I remember talking to Michael Shea and I was like, dude, if tonight was any indication of tomorrow, I'm in trouble. And he was real cool. He's like, man, he's like, I'm not worried about you. He's like, I'm worried. I, I'd be worried about some people. I ain't worried about you. He's like, if I was worried about you, I'd be like, ah, you'll be fine. Like he was just, he was really funny and he was really cool about it. But I was nervous nevertheless. So I wake up the next day, day of the gala. And I am like, I don't know what to do. I don't like the set. This is going to be on TV. Everybody's telling me at these parties, oh, I'm coming to see you. I'm coming to see you. Agents are going to be there. And I'm just like, fuck, man, what am I going to do? So what I did was instead of going around and doing festival shit, I stayed in my hotel room the whole day. And I just wrote a new set. I wrote a new set out, stuff that I know works, some of my, couple of my best old stuff or older stuff, the best of my new stuff. And I'm just trying to put together this seven-minute monster set that I could do. And I'm working it, and I'm working it, and then finally I get this thing together, and I ran it. It sounded good. I liked it, and I just decided to stick with it. So they want you over at this place like an hour early, and they got, you know, they're doing B-roll. There's cameras. There's makeup. There's all kind of monitors of the television show all over backstage, there's a whole editing team. I mean, everybody is there. It looks like, it looks like a fucking... It's, it's sick. It is. It's a big production is what it is. And I was just... My adrenaline was going, man. Like, I see the biggest and best agents in the world right there. And I see the biggest, you know, managers and all these comedians. And then other comedians that I'm friends with stopped by. And it was just really cool, man. Like, Al Madrigal popped in my dressing room and said, what's up? And we talked and... You know, all of a sudden, this agent comes in, hey, what's up? Or this club owner, hey, man, I heard you're on this. I can't wait to see you. So it just starts getting really nuts. And we were all done makeup, and I just said, you know, go out there and have a good time. I'm not going to lie, man. It was fucking intense. And uh, I went fifth in the lineup. And um, I'm not going to lie. I had a fucking great time. I had a great set. Um, it was just awesome. Everybody killed, you know, Burr is Burr, just fucking, he, he makes anything funny, so he had a great time, um, you know, so it was just a great, you know, like I said, to be in a lineup of that, you know, Mark Forward, Michael Che, Nikki Glazer, Kurt Metzger, you know, Chris D'Elia, Dom Herrera, for me to be in the middle of those guys and do that is, is everything you can really ask for, and it was just amazing, um, it was just such this like elated relief at the end because I just had so much fun doing it. I could have stayed on forever. And it was like all lit up because it's a TV show. So you just see 3,000 people, three decks. And that's the most I've ever been in front of, I believe, because I think Carnegie Hall was the second most at like 2,800. But it was really just amazing and special. And then afterwards, me, my manager, and Bill Burr, we of course went to a cigar bar and we were smoking the Cubans out there. Every night I was there, I went to the cigar bar with Bill. Well, the first two nights, the first night it was me, Bill, Tom Papa, and Tony V, the guy that uh, 
presented Bill with his award because Bill won co- uh, Comedian of the Year. And then uh, the next night was just me, Bill, and Tony. And then the third night was me, my managers, and Bill. And we're just smoking Cubans up at uh, the cigar bar there, having a great time, having some, uh, you know, bourbons or whiskeys or whatever, and, you know, smoking these cigars. And it was just an amazing time. And going back to the after party at the Hyatt Hotel after the show, you know, people coming up to you talking. And so many people went to the Bill Burr Gala because that was one of the highlights. And a lot of people were talking about how that was like the – Top four or five moments of the entire festival was that show. So to be a part of it was amazing. And, um, you know, that's the Montreal Comedy Festival. It's just one of those things. So, um, but I did realize after that, wow, you know, I burned some material in the U.S. on TV. Now I burned some material in Canada on TV. And now it's like, man, just got to keep writing and keep writing. And I was sick for a little while, but that's why I went out tonight because I wanted to just throw some new stuff out there some new bits that I was doing and and thinking about, and I did that. So there's nothing worse than when you're on stage doing a joke you know that works, and halfway through in your mind you're going, you fucking asshole, why are you doing this? You know this works. Can you grow or fucking just take a beating for a second? And that's what you always got to tell yourself. Like, just get it, go. It doesn't matter if it doesn't work. Just go out and do it. I know I'm losing half the people that aren't comedians here. Don't worry, I'm going to get to some stuff because I am fired up. I got some shit I got to say tonight. These unacceptables, holy shit. Uh, buckle up, people. I'm 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 gonna sound sick, and I'm sorry. But you know what? If I didn't do it, and I said sorry, I didn't do it, guys. I was sick. You'd be like, oh fuck, you said every Wednesday. Now I'm sick, and there's gonna be someone going, yeah, but I can't stand his fucking voice. He sounded all congested. Give me a fucking break, all right? Oh, and I am. I got some stuff to talk about. All right. I have so many unacceptables here. And then I have. Some stuff on sports, so let's just go. But anyway, if you were at the Montreal Comedy Festival and you saw my show and you enjoyed it, thank you. Um, I want to thank everybody. I mean, everybody who took part in me being there, it was just amazing. My managers, the people at Just for Laughs, and you know, it was so cool to have agents and all those people that you want to do good in front of say, hey, man, great job, and that they see that. So it felt really good. All right, now. Time for the unacceptables. I'm going to do your guys' unacceptables first, and then I'm just going to fucking lay into people. All right, that's what's going to happen. So here we go. So the first one is, should we get, okay, so here we go. All right, I'm just going to cross them off as I read them. And here is one, two, three. I'm doing more. I'm doing, I'm doing uh, one, two, three, four. I'm doing four off of Facebook, and I'm doing two off of Twitter. Okay, and then I'll do mine. Okay, so here we go. The first one is uh, Kevin McFadzen. Sorry if I said that wrong, Kevin. He said, um, delivery driver doesn't bring enough change, and then they assume the rest of the tip. Absolutely unacceptable, and it could be a, it could be a uh, you know, a, a plan. That could be definitely a setup. That's a uh, strategic way some of those guys do that, and it is unacceptable. It's like you're a fucking delivery guy. I remember back in the day when I was really young, and I used to deliver pizzas. Always had enough change for people. Come on. That's your job is that. That's like... 
ridiculous. So I don't know um, what you could really do about that because the only thing that sucks about that is he could totally say, oh, I ran out, I'm sorry, I didn't want your food to be late. And he kind of has an out, but it still is shitty and unacceptable. I totally agree with that. And uh, a lot of this... It's funny, last week, each week's Unacceptable kind of has the same theme, and this has, for some reason, this theme, a lot of this is like food-related, restaurant-related, and stuff like that, including one of mine. I actually have two that I'm going to be fucking ranting about, so that, but anyway, yeah, Kev, you're right. Delivery driver not bringing enough change and assuming the rest of the tip is completely unacceptable and enraging. Okay, here we go. Next one is Ian Ramos, or Ramos. I hope I'm getting that right, Ian. Don't get pissed. Here we go. I'm going to read it right off of Facebook. Ian said, unacceptable. These two 55-year-old fat fucking cunts. It's hilarious. Um, who think they are 20, 22 hot, 22-year-old hot blondes come out of some shitty clothing store next to the food... food food for less, walking in the middle of the parking lot like they just do not give a shit about anyone uh, and everything has to, and everything has to wait for them to walk past before we could drive by when I'm trying to get uh, out there and give my little bro something that he needed because he has fucking asthma. Damn cunts, that is unacceptable. I called them cunts. Nice. I called them cunts too as I was finally able to drive past. I was so fucking pissed with how slow and just not even paying attention to the road they were. That is absolutely... You know what? Good for you, Ian. If I had an applause button on the TVE podcast, I would hit it right now. That is exactly what you should do. If nothing else, it makes you feel better by screaming cunts at them, which they clearly deserved. But the fact that... They were just taking their sweet-ass time, and it's adding on because your brother has asthma and the whole thing. It's just an absolute nightmare. Oh, my God, doesn't it? It just it just gets you nuts. It's like, it's like you know what? The rest of the world doesn't have, isn't revolving around you. Pick your head up. Somebody did that to me the other day. I was in a parking lot, and they just had their head down walking slow, and it's like, fucking go. But the fact that you said cunts and you get called them out, that's exactly, that's that's awesome. And it is enraging. And not that your brother was having an attack at the time, but like, what if he was? And these two fucking 55-year-old bitches are just sitting there acting like they're the shit, walking slow, and your brother's gasping for air. I totally get it. Great, unacceptable. Uh, thank you for the submission. Okay, here we go. Eric O'Neill on Facebook. All right, here we go. Oh, this is a long one. Okay, here we go. Hey, Paul... Been a TV fan for about a year now. Fucking love the podcast. I know you're a busy guy, so I'll jump right in. I've got an unacceptable. I'm a fast food manager at Arby's, so you already know I deal with some shit. But I had some people today that just took the fucking cake. Dude comes in with his three kids from ages six to nine, and they order $40 of food. That's not an easy thing to do. Each kid got a combo with medium fries and on top of that, another big sandwich. Jesus. Uh, fucking animals. Now, these weren't little kids, you know. They were kind of heavy for their age. Ever since listening to your podcast, I get pissed when a parent let their uh, let their little kids eat just garbage. So seeing what these kids were going to eat just made me feel bad for them. It is. It's ridiculous, man. It's another thing. i got to get into fat people again after this. Anyway... 
on top of just cramming all that salt and fat down his kids' throats, parentheses, now I know it's just a fast food place in a small town, but they looked like shit. And I get it. Not everyone is that well off. I had to wear, I had to wear hand-me-downs and whatnot, so I know what it's like. But one of these kids had a shirt that was big enough for me, a full-grown adult could wear. Come on, try and look presentable. On top of that, two of the kids come up about 15 minutes after ordering and get another chicken sandwich combo with another fries. And we've got decent-sized fries. That's right, one adult and three kids (laughs) choked down five combos and two big fries. Now, at this point, I'm annoyed. You know, you want to see people do well and take care of themselves. But when they when they left, okay, but when they left is what killed me. Oh, this is, yeah, I remember reading this and going, I got to put this on. I go, I go out after they leave to clean the dining room. And when I get to the table, that was it. It was a, it was a wreck. Fucking ketchup and fries and crumbs and napkins on the table, on the floor, on the chairs. What the fuck? I grabbed one of my employees and told them all all of this and said loudly that this is unfucking acceptable That's great. If you're going to go into public, look like a fucking human being and don't eat like a a drunk fucking rhinoceros. Ah, I mean, Eric, I love that. That is 100% right. And it's like... I feel bad taking my kid. If I take my kids to McDonald's, you know, I'm like, I always go substitute fries with apples. You know, I, I'm always like, is that the white meat chicken? And I know whatever the fuck, it's hard to get that. But I'm always like, come on, you know, give me the best fucking chicken. I mean, it, it's hilarious that you just try to be a good parent because you feel so guilty taking your kids to fast food. But I substitute apples. I get them milk and I'll try to some sort of like chicken that's, you know, that's decent and doesn't look awful. And if it does look awful, I won't have the kids eat it. But to take you that, that many kids to go get combos and then extra sandwiches. And this is what I was going to say before. It's like, I was thinking about this today. People are going, why do you tech heavy people? Cause you know, I do a couple of jokes on it and I'm like, look, fuck that. Okay, I look in the mirror, if I see my jowls and my neck getting big, I'm like, all right, Paul, stop eating, you're eating and drinking too much, you gotta calm it down, and then I calm it down, you know, and unless you have, like, a fucking disorder, fucking, be ashamed of yourself, man, look in the mirror and fucking take care of it, oh, it's hard, you know, it's hard having cancer, it's hard having fucking AIDS, it's hard having fucking, it's hard fucking being gay and being judged by people, it's hard probably being a minority and people are fucking judging you because you're not what they are and shit, I mean, that's fucking hard to deal with all the time, but give me a fucking break, stop eating as much, that's all I'm saying, I mean, and and, and if you're the parents taking your kids to Arby's and they're wolfing down fucking three sandwiches a piece or whatever and throwing down fries and it's ridiculous, absolutely unacceptable. And then on top of it, they're throwing shit on the floor like a bunch of fucking, like a bunch of fucking zoo animals were just eating. Unbelievable, unacceptable. Great one, great one, Eric. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, okay, I got another one from Facebook, and then two more, and I'm gonna get into mine here. Let's see. Hope the voice isn't bothering everybody too much. I hope uh, you guys can deal with it. Let's see what else we got. All right, um, now this one is from, I want to make sure that I get the name 
correct here. Okay, yes, this one is from Rodney Bone. Rodney Bone, B-O-N-E. And Rodney says, let's see what Rodney says. Rodney says, why the fuck does it open like that? Just fuck. Okay, here we go. Rodney says, so I took my family to a small restaurant. See, this was all food related, so it kind of works out. And, and one of mine is, oh, guys, I'm far. Right, here we go. Anyway. So I took my family to a small restaurant the other night because we all had a long week and the boss didn't feel like, and the boss didn't feel like cooking. So family walks in, uh, some family walks in and starts yelling and laughing really loud so no one else could talk. I am not opposed to fun and hilarity, but not when it's obstruction, um, what is it? Obtrusive and, um means no one else can have a conversation. I started yelling across to my boy, but they didn't get the point. We moved outside in the cold. The thing that got me most was that they didn't pick up on my I am going to fucking kill you stare. Something I need to something I need to work on maybe. Unfucking acceptable. You know something? I got to tell you, man. I don't know what it is with people when it comes to food places or eating or just, I mean, I don't know what restaurant it was, so uh, I don't know how expensive or what the people were dressed like or whatever, uh, Rodney, but the, you're 100% right. You're in there with your family. You guys don't feel like cooking. You're tired. You guys just want to go out as a family, get something nice, enjoy it, you know, not too fucking, not too long, but not too quick, just go in, you sit down as a family, you're not cooking, and you have these fucking animals coming in, unacceptable yelling and talking over people and laughing really loud, like it's some fucking little clubhouse that it's it, that 10 year olds are in, I was on stage tonight, and this one girl was just talking, and uh, this isn't my unacceptable, by the way, but she was just talking. I go, who's talking over there? And the crowd goes, thank you, thank you. And this girl's just pointing at herself. And I go, you know how fucking narcissistic and selfish of a bitch you have to be to be like happy that you're the one and you're pointing to yourself? Nobody fucking cares about you and your stupid bridesmaids fucking out at your bachelor. But I told her, I said out loud to the crowd, I go, do you realize nobody gives a fuck? Do you understand if your car flew off a cliff tonight with all you in it, nobody could give a fuck? Shut your mouth. People are just so loud, so I totally understand what you're talking about. These people come into a restaurant when you're with your family. I remember when I was a little kid, I was younger, and I used to just fucking try to make my friends laugh because, I, I don't know, I was insecure and lacked something at home. And uh, I took a French fry and I put it in ketchup and I just threw it against the glass wall in like a nice Italian restaurant. And then like I did a cartwheel in the fucking, like in the aisle and someone was like, you're in a restaurant. And I remember, like, I was just trying to get a laugh from my friends. But now that I think about it, that guy was right. That guy was right to say that to me. And obviously, here I am 20-something years later, and I remember it. So, you know, you have to act a certain way. But again, the RB story and this story, it sounds like adults are there allowing this to happen. Absolutely unacceptable. And those kids don't have a fucking chance. Because apparently they have fat, loud parents that don't get it. Unacceptable. So thank you to Kevin, Ian, Rodney, and Eric for your Facebook submissions. Now I got two from uh, Twitter, and then I'm going to get into mine. Unacceptable from Twitter. This one is from Ricky Stoko. Stoko. I'm, dude, I'm, uh, anyway, S-T-O-K-O-E. 
Ricky, I'm sorry if I just fucked up your name. And the uh, Twitter feed is Ricky underscore S-T-O-K-O-E. And Ricky says, putting your kid in a pageant and they're so young that they don't even know about what a pageant is or what's going on. That is probably one of the most unacceptable piece of shit things for a parent to do to dress their kid up or do something with their kid, put them in a contest or a pageant, and the kid doesn't even fucking know about it. The kid doesn't have a, uh, the kid doesn't have any kind of passion for it. It's just probably because he's got some fat fucking ugly mother, okay, who never did anything in her life because she fucking had her fat ass sitting in a Wendy's booth her whole career or whatever she does, and she's got this beautiful little girl or whatever, and she's living it through them, the way these psychopath little league guys, you know, throw some kid in the outfield who wants to be fucking playing the flute or whatever the fuck they want to do, and instead this lunatic has got him in a glove and a jersey, you know, trying to make him become the next Mickey Mantle because he sucked in high school. It's absolutely unacceptable. Let me tell you something. If you put your child in a pageant and they don't know about it or don't like it and it's just because of your own fucking selfish reasons, you should be taken outside and shot in your fucking forehead. Done. Just fucking wiped out. It's fucking unacceptable. It's ridiculous. You see these little girls dressed up like fucking Barbie dolls. They look like they should be sitting in my daughter's shelf with the rest of her dolls and shit. And these little kids are like doing these poses and they don't even know about it. And you got some fat fucking like, come on, Cindy. Come on, Cindy. Turn around like we talked about. Turn around like we talked about, Cindy. Yeah, I'm going to finish my nuggets. I'm going to finish my fucking nuggets. He's shoving my fat fucking, fat fucking hole that's in my face while you spin around and, and, and I'm, I'm going to live through you. It's fucking disgraceful. Absolutely unacceptable. You're 100% right, Ricky. I agree 100%. It's a great one. Absolutely unacceptable. Uh, okay, and the last one. This one is Dan. And Dan, it's uh, the uh, Twitter feed is uh, D Naylor underscore designs. So that's at D N A Y L O R underscore designs. And Dan says, friends going to a bar called the locker room. Uh, I got to be honest, I don't think I can do that. I thought that that was an unacceptable name for a bar. If my boys were like, yo, Paul, we're going to this bar. Yeah, we, well, yeah, yeah. just tell them that we'll meet them at the locker room. I That's kind of just like, it. that's such a bad name that at a principle, I don't think I could go in it. Like, so it's, no, no, they make great drinks at the locker room. I'm like, I don't know, does it smell like balls and fucking, I, I just, I don't know. The locker room? When you think of a locker room, you think of like a dirty, dusty, metal lockers, smelly sports, like, you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, that's unacceptable. I, I I actually laughed at this one because I was just like, I don't think I'd go to a locker room bar. That is kind of unacceptable uh, in a funny way. Like, it doesn't anger me the way Ricky's did because that pageant shit just gets me nuts when you just watch it because, you know, it's never a down-to-earth mother. Like, yeah, you know, she just really kept begging us to do it. And we were like, hell, you know, we don't really like these things. But if she's, it's never that. It's always some, come on, you fucking, you know, chewing gum and shit. Let's go. You better not mess this up. So that one got me crazy. Dan's is funny just because it's like, I had all these ones that got me angry. And then he's like, yeah, unacceptable. My friends want to go to a bar called The Locker Room. That's just funny to me. So, uh, so those are the fans. Unacceptable, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Um... I love that you guys are doing this. Please keep them coming. It's uh, it's awesome that you guys are that into it. And, um, you know, p- 
please keep them coming and I will read yours. And again, if I, um, you know, if I don't read yours or anything like that, it's not, you know, it's not because I don't like it or, you know, sometimes if, you know, some of you guys already got one on, I want to make sure other people get one on. So just, um, we'll just keep it going like that. And I hope everything is, is cool, you know, with, uh, with that. You know, we'll get, and we'll keep getting more. And I'm sorry, I'm looking at something. You could clearly, right when I said, so it's cool, you knew that I tapped out. You ever know when somebody does that? When they'll be like, yeah, so, you know, we were talking about, you know, what restaurant was better. And I think the penne at this place. But, you know, so um, anyway, it's cool. And then you're just like, well, what does that have to do with fucking? It doesn't make any sense. So um, this is acting really weird. And I see that the podcast is trying to catch up. So I hope that this episode is not going to be fucked up with me talking because uh, I got a good flow here and I want to do these podcasts. So, um, nine, ten, one, two. All right. All right, guys. Time for my unacceptables. Thank you. Keep them coming and I will read them. Now, my unacceptables tonight absolutely drove me fucking nuts. Okay. Here's the deal. I went to a club tonight, and I was working out some material. Now, this particular club, um, I love. Everybody knows me there. People know what I eat there. The wait staff knows me well. The owner and I are dear friends and all that. Now, I do the show, and I'm feeling under the weather. So my thought is this. My thought is, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the set and go right home and take medicine and then I got off the show, and I was talking to somebody, and they're like, hey, Paul, you know, do you want to eat something? Now, at this place, um, the food line, it's like a nice food line, like they got, you know, you, they have everything there. Now, I like the meatballs at this place. So, what I usually do is, like, they'll just write on the bulletin board to mess with me, like, one ball, Paul, because I, sometimes I literally just get one meatball in a ramekin with sauce and grated cheese, and I just eat it like that, and then I'm done. So, there's this new guy behind the line, the cook. He used to be the dishwasher, or he's still the dishwasher, but he's behind the line, you know, and he's there. So, I say to the waitress, can I just get one slider, one meatball slider, and then another meatball next to the, the plate? So, and then they're like, oh, we don't have the slider bread anymore. Now, we just do like a hero, so we don't really have the bread. And I go, no problem, I'll make it easier. So, I look at the guy behind me. I mean, I'm sorry. I look at the guy behind the line, the cook, right in front of me. Now, granted, the tray of meatballs is one foot in front of me. It's opened, and I see it, and he's right there, right there immediately. Now, every time I ask for it, I get it right away. So I say to the guy, I go, uh, all right, how about this? I'll make it easy. Forget the bread. Can you just give me two meatballs on a plate and a little grated cheese, and we're done? So he just starts walking over towards the meatballs and then just passes it and looks... And then I noticed that a couple of the meatballs on the top seemed like they were a little burned. So I just said, oh, are those fresh? Totally nice. I was totally fine about it. And he kind of just smirked. And then I was like, no, no, I'm not trying to, you know, I was just like, you know, I was like, I'll get the ones over there. So they're like, yeah, no problem. But that guy's just kind of looking around. He's the only one. He's right there. So then he walks past the meatball tray, goes to a plate, and I'm just standing there. And I don't feel well. This is like one of my favorite places to be. The, one of the waiters is there, and he just, and, and literally, the tray of meatballs, I can't even begin to tell you how fucking nuts this is, 
The tray of meatballs is in front of me. It's right there in front of me, okay? And and him. It's in front of me and him, a foot away. And he just walks past it after I say I want two meatballs on a plate with grated cheese. He walks past it. He goes to his plate. He takes up his, one of his fucking fingers and he just fucking, one of his fat fucking fingers and he just fucking shoves a pickle in his mouth. And he's just like looking over. Then he walks away down the other side, picks up a sandwich and takes a bite of it. And I'm just waiting and I'm just waiting and I'm just waiting. Then he goes towards a plate to get a plate and he looks at me. So I'm like, all right, he's going to grab my meatballs now. And then he walks back across, grabs a piece of his sandwich again, and he's just standing there. And uh, the guy next to me, the waiter, waiter goes, dude, the meatballs, give him his meatballs. And he kind of just looks up at his smirk and goes, oh, what's up? What's up? And he's just like looking at me smirking. Now I'm enraged and the guy's playing games with me and he's being a dick. So I just go, you know what, dude, I'll get it. Never mind. Can I just get it? He goes, yeah, get it. I go, no problem, no problem. So I reach up and I start grabbing a plate and he realized that he fucked up, I think. And uh, I just go, yeah, I'm gonna. And I just grab, I reach over, I grab the tongs, I grab one meatball, put it on the plate, I grab two meatballs, put it on the plate. And then I made a comment, I go, yeah, because if I wait for this guy, I'll be here till 11 o'clock. And the other guy laughed and I just started walking away and it was this awkward, weird silence. The guy didn't do his job. The guy was rude to me. Like, I'm dear friends with the owner of this fucking place. And this dude was just sitting there smirking and getting off at the fact that he was just walking by what I asked. And I'm just standing there. And then he's like eating himself and just looking and just being a dick. And I was talking to people. I'm like, fuck that. You know what? I'm telling the fucking owner. I'm telling the fucking owner. I'm be like, you know what, man? I've never been disrespecting this place. I love this place. And you know something? I'm not fucking coming in here dealing with this fucking clown. You know what? Cause th- and, and another comedian made a good point. It was like, yeah, you should say something. Everybody I talk to. Because I have that like Italian, Sicilian thing where I don't want to fucking tell on somebody. But at the same time, it's like, you know, like I'm doing my friend a disservice by, you know, him having an employee like that. You know, I don't want anybody to lose their job, but fuck it. It was the most ridiculous thing. It was so fucking unacceptable. I wanted to just go, dude, man, you must be real comfortable here because you know I know the owner. me and the owner are really close, so I guess you're okay. Like, I should have just fucking put the fear of God in him, but I didn't. I was just like, okay. So I just grabbed my meatballs, livid. I go in the room, and all I'm thinking about as I'm chopping these meatballs with the fork, I'm fucking throwing them in my mouth, and I'm so pissed. <clears throat> See, I'm getting excited now. I'm coughing and shit. I'm about to go into a coughing fit here on the show. No, so I'm, I'm just... Like he, you, I, I'm not even. I'm not even doing this justice. Imagine this: there's no other orders up, and a guy is standing in front of a tray of meatballs, and you ask for it, and they're just like, you know, all he had to do was just go one, two, and that's it, and just didn't do it. Just didn't do it. I'm talking like for a good, like maybe two minutes, and it was just so unbelievable. So I go, you know what? I'll do it, man. Never mind. And I put it on, and then when I'm walking out, he goes, "Were they good?" And I go, "Yeah, yeah, they were. They were good." And then he just started wrapping up and he packed up his shit and he left. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking going after that. That was the most unacceptable thing I've ever fucking dealt with in, in, a, in my place of work where I'm coming to you to fucking help you. They called me in tonight to fucking do a set. I'm coming there and I know the owner and the owner would never put up with that shit. I could get this guy fucking fired in a second. And I don't even want to fucking do that. I don't want to get anybody fired, but you can't fucking do it. You can't treat me like that, man. Fuck you. Why, because you're fucking high, or you think it's fucking funny, or you're shoving your face with your sandwich? Fuck you. 
Oh my God. It was the most ridiculous thing. I wanted to take a fucking meatball and grab by the back of his head and just fucking mash a meatball up his two fucking nostrils so he felt as congested as I did. That's what I wanted to do. Then just fucking dump fucking gravy in his mouth. Just fucking rest the ladle on his head. Unfucking believable. It was so fucking enraging. I couldn't even enjoy my meatballs because all I wanted to do was eat them fast so I could fucking tell somebody about it. To the other employees there couldn't believe it. They could not believe it. They're like, what? They were like, what is he? Hi, what is he doing? It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever witnessed. Unacceptable. Ridiculous. I can't even, I can't. Like, it was so weird that at first I thought it was a joke, but I knew he was like, this guy was going through something in his life. Because even when I was like, oh, can I get a slider? He's like, slider bread. We all have slider bread. And, I was, and then the waitress goes, no, no, we do it on Heroes now. And I go, oh, no problem. I'll make it easier. Two meatballs on a plate. All this cocksucker had to do was grab the tongs, go one, two, there you go. Would have been easier. Would have been easier because I would have went away then. And I would have been able to go to the green room and enjoy my meatballs and go home. And instead, he just walked around and was just ignoring me, making me wait. Well, you know what? I'm not resting on this one. Fuck it. That shit is unacceptable. You're not fuck with me like that. And, and you know, and this other comedian was like, yeah, there's people that want that job. There's people that need that job. This guy's just taking it for granted like that. Oh, unacceptable. Now here comes my other unacceptable. My other unacceptable is after that, I leave and I'm walking and I see this father in a store. We're in a store. And I see this father looking at his son who was no more than, my son is five and they were the same height. Okay, and my son is like average size. So, I mean, this kid was five to seven tops. Tops. If I had to guess, I'd say the kid was five or six years old. And the kid is about 10 yards in front of his dad. And his dad's going, give me your hand. Give me your hand. And he was so fucking intense with it, I thought it was a joke. Because like the kid is running and I'm like, oh, they're playing around. Like it would be like if I looked at my son and I was like, hey, you better get like, you know, a joke. Like a father-son. And he just starts running after his kid, like I said, 10 yards away. And he's got his tongue out. And he's going, give me your hand. And he fucking runs up to this kid, grabs this kid. And the wife is like, no, no, no. And he's going, give me your hand. And then he just goes, you little fucking asshole. Dude, I was like, what? This guy was a fucking psychopath. He screamed at his five or six-year-old son, give me your foot, give me your hand, you little fucking asshole. Like, there was no way the kid was acting anywhere close to warranting that fucking behavior or language from his father. My son has done a lot of things and my son has not fucking listened to me and all that shit. I never would scream, you little fucking asshole in public. I'm not going to lie, though. This guy's face was so crazy that, like, I would second, like, I don't think I would fucking in interfere, though. This guy had, like, this guy had, like, I don't care if I go to jail. Like, this guy was a father that you could tell in his own, under his own roof, shit gets real in that house. You ever just look at a guy, you're like, man, that, sh that shit is like, there's a plastic pool in that backyard. You know, this was some white trash shit or whatever it was. I don't know what the fuck. It was fucked up. He's going, give me your hand. 
give me your hand. And then he just starts chasing him with his tongue out like fucking Jordan running on the baseline against the Trailblazers. And he just fucking screams at the kid when he gets him, you little fucking asshole. I was like, oh, it was the most unacceptable behavior I've ever seen a father do. And it had to be the father. It wasn't like an uncle. I mean, first of all, if it was an uncle or if it was the father, I'm I'm 99.9% sure it was the father. Unacceptable. That kid doesn't have a chance. That kid doesn't have a fucking chance. Your father is chasing you in a store, screaming, you little fucking asshole. Oh my God. What the fuck is going on? Unacceptable behavior. I was just literally walking through going, wow. I just got two. The funny thing is my unacceptables come like the day of the show now. When I'm like, all right, I'll use that one. And then all of a sudden something happens. Like, well, I have to use that one now. There's no way I'm not going to use that one. So those are unacceptables, everybody. The cook at this comedy club just ignoring me and laughing and eating a sandwich, like like trying to play games and do that, which was so ridiculous. The dad at the at the store screaming at his son, calling him a little fucking asshole. I want to thank again Kevin McFazen, uh, Ian Ramos, Rodney Bone, Eric O'Neill, Ricky Stacco. I'm sorry, Ricky, if I fucked that up again. And um, Dan Naylor. Thank you guys for them. Keep them coming, guys. Um, and like I said, I'll read them as much as I can. Hope you uh, are enjoying the show. But I got a couple big ones to talk about. This this one, usually when I'm done this, I go to sports and movies and I wrap up. No, no, no. Not on this one. This one we're going to go a little bit, okay? Two things. Um, one, I uh, I got a little bone to pick here with somebody. Because I found out on a message, wow, Paul, you better go, you better listen to Bill Burr's podcast because there were some shots fired at you. So I'm thinking, (coughs) excuse me, I'm thinking, okay, Burr went at me. We'll have a little fun back and forth here. Me and Burr known to have our epic sports arguments. Why not? So um, that's not the case. I find out that uh, Bill read a letter. And one of the letters said something along these lines of, Hey, Bill, yeah, Verzi was the only one in the world to call LeBron going to Cleveland. No, actually he wasn't. Him and every other social media and ESPN because there was only four teams to choose from. And he basically just said it a week before on his Twitter. Look at his Twitter. Look at this. And he said that. I bet you he's the type of guy who like puts his fingers together when he makes a point and doesn't look at the person he's trying to make a point, but everybody else. So the guy clearly takes shots at me. Here's the thing. You know, and listen, in the guy's defense, the guy did say that he thinks I'm a nice guy and he thinks I'm funny and all that. Great. That's fine. I don't give a fuck. Here's the problem. Okay. That's clearly a guy who did one of two things. Okay, or actually he probably did both of these things. What he did was he didn't do his homework and he hasn't been listening to the Verzi Effect long enough to know that a long time ago, because this is episode 170, everybody, a long time ago when LeBron James over a year and a half ago said in a press conference, I would never rule out um, going back to Cleveland. I found that interesting and I go, yeah, dude, and, and I've been talking about this. And Bill made jokes going, oh, I know what he's doing, saying I told Lawhead. And he's right, I was doing that. And I will get Jason Lawhead and I have gotten into screaming argument. Jason Lawhead is from Cleveland, Ohio. 
Okay, he is an, a nut job. He can't talk Cleveland sports without losing his mind. And he would tell me, "Oh fuck you! He's not coming back here." I mean, I mean, I mean, come on! How many times are you gonna fuck this place over? He's doing. He's not coming back here. We nobody. We don't want him here. We don't want him here. What the, he's just doing all this shit. You know, all all kinds of shit. Fuck you, Verzi. He ain't coming back for a year and a half. I've been having that argument with Jason. Okay, now if this gentleman listened to the Verzi effect a long time ago, he would know that I talked about it. You people listening know that I've talked about this for a long time. I've said over a year ago on my podcast, the most place that makes sense for him to go. I even specifically remember as I'm speaking now, me referencing Stephen A. Smith, because Stephen A. Smith did say if he goes to Cleveland, it's a guaranteed championship. And he said that over a year ago, and I agreed with him on the show. So to, 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 to rebut what you're saying, no, I didn't just say, oh, well, it's between Miami and Cleveland. I'm going to say Cleveland a week before on Twitter and do it. That's fucking horseshit. Okay, so you, you, you obviously didn't go back and listen to my shit, what I said a long time ago on my podcast. And another thing you did was, you know how Burr likes to go at me and say certain things like this about me calling it. So you wanted that letter to get on there so he would read it and agree or whatever. And maybe you are a fan, maybe you're not a fan, but you're not paying attention and you're not doing your homework because I did call that shit. I called it over a year and a half ago. Because I found it very odd and strange that he would say that in a press conference after he, you know, recently signed with Miami for him to go and say, uh, you know, I, I would never rule out going there. His wife is from there and wanted to be there. Okay. He said that he wishes he could do things different. The writing was on the fucking wall. So I didn't do it a week before, and there was no other four teams. He wasn't going to the Mavericks. Give me a fucking break. He wasn't going to Miami. I mean, he wasn't going to fucking, um, he wasn't going to Chicago. He wasn't going to the Knicks. He was going to either stay with Miami, but all in his in his mind, the last two years, he's going back to Cleveland. I fucking said it. Lawhead will come on the podcast, and he will say what I said because we've been talking about it forever. It made the most sense for him. It's never been done before. It's another thing I said on the podcast, if you paid attention. It's never been done before for a guy to leave a place, get his jersey burned, be enemy number one, and then come back and win and fucking the prodigal son returns and they fucking hold you up on a fucking, they hoist you up, they make a statue of you. It's the greatest fucking story. It's going to be one of the greatest stories in sports history. He knew it. He had the right people in his corner, and I fucking knew it too. So, I, dude, I called that shit. Not a week ago, not two fucking weeks ago, not even fucking five months ago. I called this shit well over a year ago. So, there you go. You could believe it. You could say no, you know. And just to piss you off, I got my fingers together right now. No, I'm just kidding, dude. I don't know you, and uh, you definitely took shots at me on somebody else's podcast, so I had to rebut um, and, and, and you know, say my piece and say what happened. But if you're doing it to get a rise from Bill, to have Bill agree and do that, if you're doing that, that's one thing. Or if you just started listening to my podcast and you're like, well, he just said that, then that's fine. You get a pass. But if, you've, if you, I mean, come on, man. If you know me, you know I've been saying it. The, the listeners, the TV listeners know I've been saying it. LeBron James is coming. I called that shit. I called it. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what else to say. Um, so there you have it. That's my... You know, people are like, get him, get him. What am I going to do? I'm just going to tell you what the fuck it is. I'm not going to get anybody. Hope you listen. Hopefully you listen to the TVE. And uh, you know what? How about this? Do whoever wrote that, write me. And, uh, you know, I'll fucking write you back. And we'll become fucking, you know, this will be a little bump in our in our social media friendship. And we'll be better for it. How about that? Um, all right. Speaking of Stephen A. Smith, though, guys, 
I got to talk about this because this, this bugged me and this just told me just how fucking ridiculous this, this whole apology culture we're living in now. It's all about apologies. It's what everything is right now. Oh, he talked about this. He talked about that. I've talked about it many times. There should be a disclaimer outside of every comedy club showroom saying you may hear things about the mentally challenged, drugs, suicide, violence, fucking, there should just be a list of every fucking hot topic out there and say you may hear this and it may be in a joke manner, it may upset you, if you're going to be offended, don't walk in the fucking door, period, fucking period, that's the way that it should be, but whatever, so anyway, Stephen A. Smith apologized this week, as a matter of fact, Burr contacted me via text and he goes, he goes, Verzi, what, what did Stephen A. Smith do? And I didn't even know. So anyway, I see he makes a public apology on first take saying that, I guess he was talking about Ray Rice and his woman because Ray, Ray Rice knocked out his woman in the, uh, in the elevator. And I guess there was some altercation in there. Nobody saw what the wife did. And he, Stephen A. Smith kind of mentioned that and used the word provoke and all of these groups and everybody lost their fucking minds and saying the word provoke with domestic violence is a trigger word or one of those bad words to say and it fucking does this and it does that. And look, you never want to say that a woman could provoke a guy to you know kick the shit out of her because it's not right. And a guy, uh, let me preface this by saying a guy should never hit a woman. However, to say that somebody can't be, anybody can be provoked to do anything regardless of sex like, like, what does that mean? I'm not saying that he should. I'm not saying that that if a woman provokes you, you should hit her. But you could still be provoked and make a mistake, and that's all. Stevens, but dude, he was apologizing as if, you know, he's like, I have four sisters, I know better, you know, and quite frankly, my mother and my sisters, I know better. It's just like, it's like, dude, you were just talking from your heart and you said something, and she probably did provoke him. You don't know what happened, um, and again, it's not a matter of her, you know, it's not a matter of it being right. But so anytime that you're talking about domestic violence, if the word provoke comes, anger groups are going to come. I mean, I mean, group, angry groups are going to come at, at you. Fuck you. I swear to God, it's so ridiculous. I wanted to tweet Stephen A. Smith and go, Stephen A. Man, are you fucking serious, dude? Like, I understand you got a job and like you could just say, oh, sorry for poor choice of words and leave it at that. But he like had some like heartfelt fucking, you know, Christmas card type of apology. And it's just like it's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. Stop it. Around. Oh my God. Everything. Everything is an apology now. Nobody could say anything. Like, look, if you're blatantly fucked up, you know, if you're blatantly racist or you're blatantly violent and you come out and you're like, man, she probably provoked him. I'd have hit the bitch too. Like, that's different. That's ignorant. That's silly. But nobody did that. He just used the word provoke. And, you know, what if a chick, like, kicked you in the nuts and starts, like, throwing all your favorite possessions in, in the street and smashing them and doing that, and you snap and you lose your mind? During the conversation that follows, you can't say, well, wow, she really was provoking him, though? Like, I don't understand. What if a woman is hitting you in the head with a fucking, with a cordless phone and you start bleeding? And, and you, the only way that you're going to be able to do is if like you start bleeding and getting lightheaded, so you got to kind of throw her or move her and then she falls into the wall or something like that. Let's just say, 
And then you're like, man, I'm really sorry that I had to, you know, get her up and she hit the wall because I didn't intend that. But I started bleeding over my eye. And somebody talks about that and says the word provoked and people are going to come. It's like, it's crazy. That's why I love being a comedian. Because I I will never, I'll never, it's somebody said that Patrice O'Neill, rest his soul, said, make sure whenever you say something in a public forum, you mean it. And you never fucking have to apologize because you mean it. You thought it out. And that's the way to do it, man. Fuck all this apology shit. It's ridiculous. I mean, even the Tiger Woods thing is his mom is there. He's just fucking sitting there like a... Just like this public... It's just... Everything is, you know... A fucking man doesn't apologize unless he's like insanely fucking wrong. I mean, a real man will apologize. But it has to be like, but not not for this fucking, you know, I don't know. I hated when Tracy Morgan went to Oklahoma and apologized for that shit. I I really did. I just felt like, you know, you're a comedian, you said something. It's a joke. But, and I know ESPN probably has Stephen A. Smith on the hot seat and all that stuff saying, listen, you have to do that. But like, you know. The word provoke caused way too much of a stir, and that apology was a little over the fucking top. So, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, No movies this week, guys. I haven't watched any movies. Um, The show that I'm into is that Ray Donovan. I don't know why, but Ray Donovan is a show that I'm into. I watch it. I enjoy it. I don't... It's just like my Sunday night thing, so... Um, that's the only thing that, uh, that I've been watching, and, uh, did I watch a movie? No, I tried to see a movie, but I've been feeling like shit, so no movies there. Um, and, uh, as far as plugs go this week, um, I updated the, uh, paulverzi.com website. I have, uh, up-and-coming dates. Looks like I am going to be headlining on my own, uh, South Beach, Miami at the Comedy Inn. I will also be uh, headlining Morty's Comedy Joint in uh, Indianapolis on a Halloween weekend. So, uh, you know, you got some time to get those, but I'm going to be out there doing that. And um, we're working also on some dates in uh, Albany. So I'll let you guys know about that maybe September, October. As far as August, check the website out. I'm going to be local. I'm going to be doing spots at The Stand. I'm going to be doing spots at Gotham. I'm going to be doing spots at The Laughing Devil. Hopefully Stand Up New York. So um, all my spots in New York City, I'll be doing working on some new material this month. And uh, just keep it uh, keep it going. So uh, that is pretty much it. And uh, let me know your thoughts. Keep the unacceptables coming. Again, I apologize for uh, my sickness here. I will be uh, feeling much better next week, I hope. But I did want to get this out um, and get it out before Wednesday was done, like I said I would. So thank you guys. Until episode 171, I'm out of here. Follow me on Twitter at Paul Verzi. That's V-I-R-Z-I. Please leave your comments on iTunes. Uh, the comments and feedback have been phenomenal, and um, I recently heard, oh, I forgot to share this, uh, I don't know where it's at now, but somebody said that um, the Verzi Effect made the top 100 um, podcasts on iTunes comedy, so uh, I haven't checked that, but somebody said, yeah, I just saw the Verzi Effect in the top 100 for comedy on iTunes, so let me know if that's true or not, but if it is, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> And uh, that's it. Keep your comments coming. Keep listening. Tell a friend to listen to the Verzi Effect. And uh, that's it. I'm out of here, guys. Take care.